You're listening to the Grace Through Faith weekly podcast. For more information, go to mygtf.org. We hope you enjoy. Good morning. How is everybody today? Pretty awesome day to be in church, celebrating with some people, getting baptized, worshiping the Lord. It's just been a great morning so far. Believe that God has more to come. And so um, if you have your bulletins, we, uh, we've given you kind of the happenings of what's going on in February. We've, we got that together for you this week. And so I want you to be aware of what's happening in the, in the coming month. Um, but before I kind of get into that, um, Pastor Mercy was talking about growth track. And so I want to invite you to come be a part of that. Um, we're trying to offer that almost every single month throughout the year. There's a couple of months that we won't meet during the holidays, like in December and a couple of months. But if you didn't get a chance to be part of Growth Track in January, we're offering it again in February. And so the dates are in your bulletin. It's on the screen. Um, Growth Track will be um, 101 is where we talk about who we are as a church and how you can join the family here at GTF. That's on the 2nd of February. The 9th, we're uh, going through Growth Track 201, where Bo and Mercy Perkins are talking about spiritual growth. And then uh, 301 will be on the 16th. And so mark those on your calendar. We've made these to where if you missed one of those three installments in January, you can just pick it up in February and complete it. And so just want to encourage you to jump in and be a part of Growth Track. Also, this coming week, we're, we're resuming our groups ministry and our Wednesday night uh, midweek stuff. And so that's happening this week. There's a groups list in the foyer right through these halls. There's also some on the walls as you ex- exit the sanctuary, um, going to children's ministry and administration. And so grab one of those, uh, those lists and get plugged into a small group. I told everybody on Wednesday night, there's powerful things that happen in our life as we assemble with the body of Christ. Amen? And this is one way in which we assemble as a body. On Sunday mornings, Wednesday night, as we were getting together for deeper. But there's also a powerful interaction that happens as the body of Christ meets together in small groups. And there's some things that can happen in your life, discipleship-wise, of how you can grow in your faith that'll happen with a small group of ten other people who can encourage you in your walk that can't happen in here. And so I just really want to encourage you, if you aren't involved in a group already, get plugged in. As those groups are going on in homes, I get asked this question a lot as we have new people coming through our church. Do we have Wednesday night services? These groups are our midweek services. They happen on Tuesday night. They happen on Wednesday night. They happen on any night that's going on throughout the week. And while those things are happening on Wednesday night specifically, we have youth ministry that's happening up here at the church and GTF Kids is happening up here at the church. And so all that information is in your bulletin. Get plugged in and become part of what's happening throughout the week here at GTF. Okay, one last thing that I want to do before we jump into today's message. Um, I want to give you an opportunity to support us financially. And so one of the things that I, I just really feel like is really powerful is as we enter into a new year, you know, one of the things that we've been doing through Deeper is giving God the first fruits of our time. And so we've carved out some moments throughout the month of January for us to come together and to really fast and seek the Lord. But it's also powerful whenever we give God the first fruit of our offerings. And so I just want to encourage you, everything that we do here at GTF is supported by your donations and your generosity. That's how the body of Christ is is supposed to function. We don't get grants from the state. I I told that to somebody one time and they were surprised. They were like, really, y'all don't? We don't get money from the government. 
We don't get money from sales. All that We've been selling a book, and we rarely sell stuff, but we've been selling a book to kind of go along with what we've been doing on Wednesday nights, and we're breaking even on those book sales. They're not paying the lights. And so I just want to really encourage you, if you haven't yet started supporting us financially, to come along for the journey. The stuff that is happening here at GTF will nourish your soul and get you closer to Jesus. And there's a cost that's, a, that's attached to that. It costs money to keep up the facilities. It costs money for us to, to put forward the ministry that's happening on a day-to-day -day basis. So, so I want to encourage you to consider supporting us. In your bulletin and on the screen, there are instructions at the bottom of your bulletin specifically on how to give. There's three ways. You can give um, through text. You can text a donation to 424-0082. You can go online to mygtf.org, or you can put money in the offering boxes that are located throughout the church. We're going to take up an offering right now, and so if you have a bucket at the end of your aisle, underneath your chair, if you would grab that and pass it down, just put your offering in there. It'll go to the same place that the offering box offerings go, and so they all kind of get to the same place. If you don't have, if, you, if you're a check writer and you don't have time to write your check, you can just put that check in the offering box if you missed the bucket that passes. So thank you guys for your giving. We really do appreciate your support financially. Okay, as our ushers are going by and they're collecting those buckets, I want to ask you to turn in your Bible to Mark chapter 4. And we're going to finish up the series of messages that we've been in titled Calibrate. And as we've been going through this series of messages, uh, one of the things that we've been trying to do in just... Uh, Pressing into the Lord and asking Him what He's doing in us in this new year is we really believe that God called us to consecrate ourselves. And so I shared this prophetic word with you at the beginning of January. This is from Joshua chapter 3, verse 5. And it says, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will begin to do amazing things among you. And so a lot of what we've been doing on Wednesday nights and Sunday morning throughout the month of January has been in an effort to kind of step into that moment of consecration, of cleansing ourselves and preparing ourselves. And one of the things that we've been asking God for is that He would speak to His people. Is that God would begin to show up and that He would begin to speak to our hearts and that He would give us direction for the year to come. And I, I just told you this, this is, uh, as we were kind of getting ready for this, is that, that, that God wants to do something to calibrate us. And this is what I specifically said, that I believe, and I just really believe that God is speaking this over us. I believe that the opportunities that God has for you and I this year are so monumental and so pivotal in our lives that we need to have a moment of calibration. The word calibration, I want to give you the definition. It means to correlate the reading of an instrument with those of a standard in order to check the instrument's accuracy. You know, in your relationship with God, you are the instrument. He is the standard. And there are times and moments in my spiritual journey whenever I need to sync up with God and I need to calibrate how it is that I am walking with Him and make sure that I'm in sync with His Spirit. And if we do that, then we're not going to miss the opportunities that God has for us. Amen? Amen. Whenever we become sensitive to His Spirit. And so as, as I was kind of looking back on, on what we've done this month and what, the time that we spent in God's Word and the time that we've been pursuing Him in prayer and all the different things... There's been a lot that God has spoken to our people. There's been a prophetic flow that's been happening in our services on Sunday and on Wednesday night. And so I just wanted to recap some of that this morning and give you a short teaching on how to steward the prophetic voice of God in your life. Amen? 
How many of you, and, 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 and participate in this informal survey if you, if you so choose, but how many of you, whenever I say God's prophetic voice, that's something that's normal for you? It's like, I know what that means. I was raised in, in that, and, and I know kind of what you're talking about. Okay? So here's what I would tell you about the, the people that are doing this right now, is that's probably about 30% of the people in the room. Either the other half of the percentage, whatever that is, y'all do the math real quick, 70% <laughs> of people that didn't raise their hands, so thank you, thank you. Uh, the other 70% the other of people that didn't raise their hands, didn't want to raise their hands, or that's not something that's a normal piece of their vocabulary. Here's the thing, today I want you to hear from God's word what I mean by God's prophetic voice. It's something that God wants to be active in your life, and it's something that's very normal in the Word of God. It should be a normal part of the Christian life. And so I just want to show you in God's Word today, but before I do that, I want to kind of recap some of the, thing that God, some of the things that God has spoken over our church and over our lives as we've been going through this series, Calibrate, and then on Deeper on Wednesday night. So here's a couple of things that, that I felt like God was speaking to me that I've been talking to you about the last couple of weeks. The first one was that, that God was calling us to consecrate ourselves because there's some opportunities that God doesn't want us to miss, okay, and to synchronize with Him. The second one is in the season ahead, and this is the word that I just continue to hear in my prayer closet, is clarity. In the season ahead, God wants you to have clarity for the road that's before you. He wants you to have clarity in your spiritual walk. He wants you to, and if you ask God for clarity, remember the illustration I gave you? If you're driving down the road in the fog and you can't see, if you stop and you ask God that, that he would bring clarity, he's going to, in this moment in your life, bring clarity for the road ahead. Another thing that I shared with you is if all you did was pursue Jesus this year, the rest of God's plan for 2020 is going to fall into place. As I, as I declare that over our church and I declare that over your life, you know, that's what the Bible teaches. That if you will make Jesus the pursuit, the pursuit, and this isn't just a 2020 thing. This isn't just this year. But in your life, if you will make Jesus the one pursuit of your life, then everything else is going to fall into place. Jesus said, if you seek the kingdom first and his righteousness, all the other stuff's going to be added to you. Make Jesus the sole pursuit of what you go after this year, and the rest of what God wants to do is just going to fall into place. As we were um, worshiping one night in deeper, Pastor Fred shared a, a, a picture that he saw, a prophetic word, and he got up and shared it with us. He said that he saw the Lord anointing... I'm sorry, this is a different one. Uh, let me go back one. Uh, he saw a picture of a tsunami. He said the Lord is bringing a spiritual tsunami to, of destruction upon the kingdom of darkness. And one of the things that he said whenever he was sharing that word with us was that God was going to use the rubble from that destruction of the kingdom of darkness to rebuild our lives, that the, that the, the people of God are going to be in a safe place. There's going to be peace around their lives as God is doing this destruction in the kingdom of darkness. I don't know about you, but that's a powerful word for my life. There's some things that the enemy wants to see happen in your life. I told you this, that there, in every single new year, there's new opportunities. There's God opportunities and opportunities of the flesh. You have an adversary that wants to pull you away from the plan of God. And here's the cool thing about that word that I got whenever Fred was sharing it. He actually emailed it to me the next day, and I was rereading it. Is that there's a God in heaven. He's my God. He's your God if you have given your life to Jesus. There's a God in heaven who is powerful enough and wants to defeat the schemes of the enemy in my life. He cares about what's going on in my life, and the adversary that's coming against me, God is strong to save. 
He's strong to save me. And that, that causes some faith to be built in me. Here's a couple other words. Pastor Bo shared this word one, one time during worship. He said, I saw the Lord anointing people as worshipers like Samuel anointed David. God is raising up a company of leaders in worship in many different spheres of society. Did you know that God is doing this right now? That God is anointing people to lead worship in our house. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to stand behind a microphone. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to hold an, a musical instrument. But that your life of worship to God is going to be on display in such a way that it affects other people's lives around you at work, in church, in different spheres. That's a powerful word. One of the things that I, I recognized a long time ago in my, in my relationship with Jesus, and I'll just tell you this, who, who I believe is the lead worship leader at GTF is me. I think that you should probably take up that mail for yourself as well. Who is it that Jesus has called to lead worship in this house? It's you. It's not an, an individual, and it's not a title that is solely one person's. Sure, Pastor Bo and Pastor Mercy, they do a, a great job leading us into the place of worship. But did you know that you can lead your family in worship? You can lead your place of business in worship, your campus in worship. A life that's given to glorifying God is a life well spent. Last one that I'll recap real quick. Pastor April shared this word last week. And she said that she saw this picture of a mountain. And that, that on this mountain there was just covered with these tents. And that there, there were people in their journey with God that had stopped and they hadn't gotten to the summit yet. And they had camped out. And she, this is the word that she declared over us. Is that God is calling us. He hasn't created us to stop and to create dwellings. He's called us to a mountaintop experience. That there are not, not just moments where we, we get tired and we're, and we're supposed to sit down and catch our breath. If we're not careful, we'll live in that place. But there's something in us that should be propelled to move on with the Lord. And even if you've gotten to the summit and you've had mountaintop experiences with God, and she spoke this over me, over us, is that there's more mountaintop experiences out there. Stop living from yesterday's experience with God and go get a new moment with the Lord. Amen? And so all of these things God's been speaking over us. And I, I'm just telling you, whenever, it, this is something that, that I've been doing in my life, in my normal rhythm of following Jesus for a while. And that is in the month of January is just a great time to synchronize with the Lord and pursue His voice in my life. What I love about God's prophetic voice is that it helps us calibrate and synchronize with His Spirit like nothing else. Whenever we begin to hear the prophetic voice of God, there's something that comes alive in us and inspires us. It causes our faith to grow. And as you hear God's voice, it has the ability to galvanize and help you move into the next thing that God is going to do in your life. Behold, He's doing a new thing in this year in us. And so as, I, as I'm telling you this, one of the things that I want to advocate for you today is that the voice, the prophetic voice of God should have a, a place of prominence in your spiritual walk with Jesus. Now, I know that there's a thought that kind of sounds like this, is that you know we shouldn't put too much stock in that because it's so subjective, right? But I want, to, I want you to, to know something beyond a shadow of a doubt today. I believe that God speaks. We as a church family believe that God speaks. And I don't mean that God just spoke a long time ago to Adam, you know, that he walked with Adam in the cool of the day. I don't just mean that God spoke to Abraham and called him out of his land into a new country. I don't just mean that God spoke to Moses. I believe that God spoke 
then, but He speaks now. He is still talking to His people. God spoke then, and He spoke now. As a matter of fact, I want to just give you this really brief teaching about the spoken Word of God and God's Word. In the New Testament, there's two primary words that, that are used in Scripture for the Word of God, the Logos and the Rhema. Okay? This is probably an old hat for some of you, but for some of you it's not. So I want you to listen to me. In the Word of God, in the New Testament specifically, the main language that's used in the transcripts that have been translated for you and I to read are not English, it was Greek. And there are two different Greek words for the Word of God that's translated in the New Testament. One of them is the Logos, and one of them is the Rhema. The Logos is Jesus. Jesus is the Word of God. The Logos is the message of Christ. It is what has been revealed to you and I about who God is in your Bible. That is the Logos. And so I'll give you a couple of scripture references. John 1.1, both of these will be up on the screen for you. Just stay there in Mark chapter 4. I'll catch up here in just a second. In John 1.1, it says, In the beginning was the Logos, the Word. And the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. In your Bible, that's probably a capital W because it's referring to Jesus himself. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, Jesus. Revelation chapter 19, verse 13, there's this picture of Jesus that John has this, this revelation. He sees Jesus coming and he says, He, Jesus, is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God, the Logos of God. So that's the Word of God that you and I come to whenever we have our devotional time with God and you have your quiet time. Whenever I'm preaching today, I'm going to share the Logos with you from Mark chapter 4. You, and, you should have a relationship with the Word of God that governs the life that you live. Amen? That is the relationship that we're supposed to have with God's Word. But there's a different word in the Greek, and that's the rhema. And the rhema, I love the definition of the rhema because it, it's something that causes it to come alive. And if you want your faith in Jesus to come alive, then you need this element in you on a constant basis. Here's the definition of rhema in the Greek. It is the living voice. It's the voice that's alive. I wrote a letter to April a long time ago, and, and I wrote, I've written her several things, a birthday card or whatever, and I, but I've written her some letters. And in that letter, she could point to it like one of these manuscripts and said, Jory said this to me one time, but if I speak to my wife today, I'm using my living voice. The voice that I'm using right now that's, that's causing sound waves to vibrate, and you have this receptacle in your ear that is being vibrated, and you can receive that, that is the rhema that's coming from me. It's the living voice, it's the active voice, it's what's being spoken right now. John 6, 63 says, this is Jesus speaking, he says, The rhema, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. He says this in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the rhema of Christ, the word of Christ. I want you to jot that scripture down, turn to it in your Bible, underline it, whatever you need to do, because that's a powerful principle in God's word. A lot of us, whenever we've re read that scripture before, it says, so faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, the word of Christ. We have thought that it means this, but it doesn't. Listen to me. This is what your Bible says, and this is what it's saying, is that faith 
is built whenever we hear the active voice of God. Amen? Whenever you hear the active voice of God, there's faith that's born and it rises within you. Listen, you need to hear Jesus. If you're in a place today where your faith is dry, where you're walking and it's, it is kind of like the Sahara Desert and you need to hear from God, it is a, a, a wonderful endeavor to step into a place where you hear Jesus. If it's not working right now, you should seek to change that. Jesus is still actively speaking to His disciples today. Now, let me give you a couple of reasons why the voice, God's prophetic voice should have a prominent place in your life. Number one, I'll give you three real quick. Number one is because the Bible taught us that it's available, so we should reach for it. If, if God said that we can have this, it's, there's no shame on me if in my spiritual journey I haven't reached to the place where I'm a, a perfect husband, where I'm a perfect dad. Uh, here's what I want to say right now, is all of us are in process. And so there's no comparison, there's no judgment if you're here and I'm there and this person over there is way over there. Maturity is something that happens gradually, but if God has said, you can hear me, and you haven't gotten to that place where you've tuned your ear to His voice, and not this ear, it's right here, where you've tuned your spirit to hear the voice of God yet, reach for it. The Bible said it's available to you. He is speaking over your life, so we should tune our attention to the place where we are hearing what He's saying. Second reason that should have a prominent place in your life is because that experience is a game changer. The day that you hear God speak over your life will change your life. You know, whenever I was growing up, I had a family that really had strong faith. I went to a church that was a really strong church. And all throughout my, you know, adolescence and even in my teenage years, I was living off the faith of other people in my life. Jesus had revealed himself to my mom whenever she was in high school and she gave her life to Jesus. Jesus had revealed himself to my dad in college and he gave his life to Jesus. And they got married and they raised his family and they had strong faith. Jesus had revealed himself to my pastor and he had faith. But here's the thing, I was living off the faith of other people. I would tell you that I was a Christian because my mom and dad are Christians. I was a Christian because I went to a church. But I'm just telling you, the day that I heard Jesus call me, the day that I, I heard Jesus grab my heart and say, follow me, it changed my life. There were times and seasons in my life where I heard the word of God, I heard him speaking to me and inviting me to follow him, and I rejected him. But the day that I heard Jesus call me to follow him and I responded, nothing's been the same ever since then. So this is something that should have an active, prominent place in your faith to listen for the voice of God, Reach for the voice of God to hear Him and then to obey. So look at Mark chapter 4, and this is what I want to say to you. The more that you acknowledge the, the prophetic voice of God in your life, the more that you will become aware of it. So if, if what I'm saying to you is something that's kind of stirring you, and you go home tomorrow and you say, okay, okay God, this is the deal, I want to hear you. The more that you do that, the more that you're going to be aware that God is actually speaking to you. Now listen to me. If that's true, 
then the opposite is true as well. The more that you reject the voice of God, the less aware of it that you'll become. Did you know that Jesus actually taught that principle? And that's what we're going to read in Mark chapter 4. Look what he says to his disciples in verse 21. Mark 4, 21, Jesus says this, And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to, put, to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And then he said to them this, pay attention. That's literally what it says. Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure that you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Listen, this teaching that Jesus is giving to his disciples is all about revelation. It's all about the willingness that you and I have to receive God's word, his logos, and his active voice, the rhema. And what Jesus is basically saying is, hey, listen, I don't speak into the earth to have it put under a bushel. I want you to listen to me because Jesus is speaking to some of us this morning. God is speaking over your life. And as he speaks over your life, he's not saying something so that you can take it and hide it. He's, he's saying something so that you will do exactly what Jesus encouraged us to do, pay attention. As God speaks, He brings illumination into our lives and He brings illumination into the world. Not only is Jesus the Word of God, but He's the light of the world. And as He does that, if we take what He has given to us and to illuminate our lives, to give us instruction, to give us faith, and we hide it, what He says, even what you have will be taken away from you. And so here, I'll say this principle to you again because the way I said it was a little bit different than the way Jesus said it. If you seek to become more aware of Jesus' voice in your life, you will become more aware of it. If you seek to hide it, to reject it, to put it away, you will become less aware of His voice in your life. It's almost like there's this principle of spiritual atrophy that Jesus is trying to talk to His disciples about. You know what atrophy is, right? If you don't use it, you lose it, right? That's actually a thing that happens in your body. If you are the fittest person whenever you're 22 years old and you're strong and you stop using those muscles, by the time you're 52, what's going to happen? Well, let me read you the definition of atrophy. The definition of atrophy is gradually declining in effectiveness or vigor due to underuse or neglect. If you do not use the muscle in your hand and your forearm for decades, eventually those muscles begin to atrophy. They shrivel up. You lose the strength and function in what was supposed to be a normal function. And as you and I get into this relationship with Jesus, Jesus wants to have an active voice in your life to where He's leading you. He's speaking His principles over your life through His Word, but then He's showing you how to apply that through His living voice in your life and how to use it on a day-to-day -day basis. But if we don't use that, we'll lose it. Here's what Jesus is saying to you and I is pay attention. 
As I go through and I, I, I share with you all the things that God's been speaking over us as a church family, listen, if we don't steward that well, we'll lose it. If you don't pay attention to what Jesus is saying, you'll become deaf to His voice in your life. Here's what I want to encourage you. If you find yourself in this place where you're going through spiritual atrophy, here's the good news. Jesus can heal that. He can fix that. As a matter of fact, I want you to turn back one page in Mark to Mark chapter 3. And Jesus goes into a synagogue one day, and he actually sees a man in the service who has atrophied muscles. He has a hand with dropsy. And I don't know if you, you've been around um, any of some, anybody with cerebral palsy before, but after a while, what, what happens to muscles is they begin to tighten so much that they draw in. And so he's looking at this man, and, and this man has, a, whenever we're going to read this in a second, a withered hand. The muscles have atrophied. He can't use it like he normally could, and it's become a handicap in his life. I want you to read this with me in verse 1, chapter 3. Again, Jesus entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they, he's talking about the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And Jesus said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were, say silent. Everybody who was watching what Jesus would do knew that he had been doing miracles. They'd been seeing him do it. And so they were just watching and waiting. And Jesus asked them, is it okay if I heal this guy on the Sabbath? And all they did was... <coughs> they stayed quiet. Didn't answer his question. Let's keep reading. Verse 5. And Jesus looked around at them with anger grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And then he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. And then the Pharisees went out of that service in the synagogue that day and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him about how they would destroy him. Here's a couple things that I want you to see from this passage. The first one is really good news for you if you're in this place today and you want to hear God's voice and you're struggling with it. Jesus Christ heals atrophied muscles. Physically, He heals. Spiritually, He heals. And if you're here today and you once heard the voice of God and that's grown dull for you and you're having a hard time hearing God's voice, Jesus can fix that in your life today. That's good news. God wants to have a conversation with you. Even as we're talking about it today, I believe that you're going to become more and more aware of God's voice in your life. You're going to begin to hear some things again. A voice of doubt is going to creep in and tell you, oh, that's nothing. But I'm telling you, God really wants to talk to you. Here's the second thing I want you to see of this passage. These Pharisees. Jesus is about to do something really profound in this man's life and heal him, physically heal his hand that he can't use properly. 
And Jesus confronts the attitude in the Pharisee's heart, and he says, hey, is this okay if somebody is healed on the Sabbath? And these guys are so hard-hearted that they remain silent. Listen, do not be that guy. Don't be that person. God is in this place on this specific day in Mark chapter 3, and He wants to do something to change somebody's life. But these Pharisees are the people who are resisting and against what God wants to do. Listen, God wants to do something among us. God wants to do something specifically in your life. Don't have a hard heart. As a matter of fact, I'll go back a couple of months. We went through a series of messages in the fall. And one of the things that I shared with you was this verse from Hebrews chapter 3, verse 15. And this is the, the admonition from this verse. And it says this, Today, if you hear His voice, that's His living voice, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt, led by Moses, and they died in the wilderness? Listen, there's something that repetitively happens in the people of God's journey, if you will harden your heart towards the movement of God in your life, there's a spiritual death that will settle in over you. I'm not saying you're going to hell. I'm not saying that God hates you. What I am saying is if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. If you get into a place where you deactivate with Jesus, then you will get into this place of funkiness in your spirit, and, 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 and a death will settle over you where you're just numb. And if you're numb, it's really hard to hear. Now, here's what I want to encourage you to do. As Jesus was talking in Mark chapter 4, is that we pay attention to what we hear. And so I just encourage you today, number one, that you have a prominent place for God's active voice in your life on a day-to-day -day basis in your journey with Jesus. But number two, that we would steward the prophetic voice of God in our lives. And so how do you steward it? Real quickly. Number one, I'll give you three things. You can jot these things real down real fast. Number one, receive it. Number two, write it down or record it. And then number three, review it. This is something that I do habitually in my life whenever God speaks something to me. If I have a prophetic dream, if, God gives, if somebody gives me a prophetic word. And this is where I basically have kind of adapted this from, from God's word. Is number one, receive it. Look at this, this passage on, on the screen. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. But test everything and hold fast to what is good. There's something that these Pharisees did in Mark chapter 3 in their personal lives to quench the move of God in them. And, what, and here's the thing that I know. As I talk about prophecy, there's some in the room who are like cringing. They're like, oh, we're talking about that thing. What the Word of God says is, do not despise the gift of prophecy. It's actually one of the most powerful gifts that God has given us. Don't despise it. And I know the reason why some of us despise it is because there's some kooky stuff that happens in the name of Jesus, right? In the name of prophecy, there's some cookies. Listen, I've gotten some crazy words before from people. I got one just around Christmas time. Somebody texted me like, hey, Pastor Jory, I think that you should preach this word. And it was really, really condemning. And I was just like, man, that's funky. Listen, that's what this passage is talking about. Can you put it back up on the screen, please? That's what this passage is talking about. We prophesy in part because we know in part there is some room for error under the New Testament gift of prophecy. But what 1 Thessalonians 
chapter 5, verse 19 is saying, do not throw this gift away in your life. Don't do it. You need it too badly. Do not despise prophecies. Here's what you should do to negate the kooky factor is do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Measure it. Test it. Test it against the Word of God. Test it to the Spirit of God that lives inside of you. You can hear God's Word. And then lastly, hold fast. And this is the most powerful part of the Scripture for me, from my perspective. Those words, hold fast, means receive it, cling to it. Whatever it is that God is speaking to you, grab onto it and receive it and open your heart to it. That's what I mean by receiving it. Is that whenever somebody gives you a prophetic word, whenever I'm saying from the pulpit, this is what I feel like God's saying, here's the first thing that you should do. You should test that. But the thing that I do whenever I hear people say that is, God, what is it that you're speaking to me through this? Because I can hear God. What is it that you're speaking to me through this? And whenever I hear the Holy Spirit, that's what I latch on to. I receive that. I receive that. So that's the first part. The second part is write it down, record it. Habakkuk 2.2, most of you know this verse. And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. Whenever God speaks something over my life, I write it down. And I'm just a practical person. I open up my phone. I put prophetic word. What is today's date? January 26th, 2020. I write that in the note, and then I record it in some fashion. And then if I ever want to go back and read that and review it, I just punch in a search in my notes, prophetic word, and it brings up all the prophetic words that I've noted in my notes. Do something. You don't have to do that. But I have journals on my, in my book uh, in my bookcase in my office of prophetic words that I've written down in the past, whether somebody's given them to me or whether I've heard it myself, write it down. Because what I'm going to do next is I'm going to review it. This is what Matthew 4, 4 says. But he answered, this is Jesus speaking, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but from every rhema. Every rhema, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The active, prophetic voice of God is alive, and it breeds faith and life in your spiritual journey with Jesus. If you would stand with me this morning. If I can have those who are going to serve communion go ahead and prepare the elements. If you're a guest with us here at GTF, we're fixing to receive communion. And you don't have to be a member of our church to come participate with us. You're invited to the Lord's table. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, come celebrate it with us. We're about to celebrate the thing that He's called us to do whenever we assemble and remember what it is that He's purchased. He's purchased through you, for you through the cross life with Him for all of eternity. Forgiveness of sins. But do you know what, one of the other things that Jesus purchased for you as He was crucified on the cross? He purchased a relationship with your Heavenly Father that was unavailable to you before. And in that relationship, God wants to talk to you. God wants to have a conversation with you. As a matter of fact, if I said it this way, it wouldn't be controversial at all. God wants to have this prayer life between you and Him, and that's all a prayer life is, is a conversation. God wants to converse with His people. And so before we come and receive communion this morning, I want to ask you to just bow your head, and I want to pray for some folks. If you're here today, and whenever I was talking about hearing God's voice and God wants to talk to you, and you're having trouble with that and want to hear Him, I want to ask you to just raise your hand. I'm going to pray a prayer for you. 
Father, I lift up to you my brothers and sisters. And Lord, as they raise their hands in the air just as an acknowledgement to you, God, and they're asking to hear your voice, I pray, God, that you would do for them exactly what you did for that man in the synagogue that day. If there's some atrophied spiritual muscles in their life where they have tuned you out, God, I just pray that you come heal that. If there's some things that they need to rearrange so that they steward your voice in their life, show them. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, that even right now that you would begin to speak to them. Speak to them individually. Speak to them profoundly. Speak to them specifically. In Jesus' name. You can put your hands down. Keep your head bowed. And we're going to pray a prayer together. Now I want to invite everybody to pray this with me because this is just a, an exercise that I do whenever I'm trying to tune my heart to the voice of God. I want you to pray this after me. Jesus, do you love me? this prayer. Jesus, what do you want to say to me today? You can do that over and over and over again and ask God so many different questions and you're going to create a conversation that's going to open up and bring life into your spiritual journey. Lord, I pray that you'd give us ears to hear. Lord, where we have tuned you out, I, I just, we repent of that. And we ask, God, that we as a house, that we as individuals, God, we become keenly aware of your voice in our life. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.